بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل بهی و قد المکاره و یا من یفتو بهی حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمسو منه المخرج الى روح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on صحيفة سجادية by Mizan Institute والحمد لله الذي ركب فينا آلات البسط وجعل لنا أدوات القبض ومتعنا بأرواح الحياة وأثبت فينا جوارح الأعمال in this part of the dua, the Imam points out some of the blessings Allah has given us that have to do with, I would say, the physical side of us uh, and the physical aspect of us. Now, these blessings that he points out, a couple of them I've never seen being pointed out in any other in any of the other duas that we have. Um, the closest thing that you would find to this maybe is certain parts of Dua Arafah of Imam Hussain where he gets into certain details and the nitty-gritty of the physical aspect of us. Here also, something's pointed out that I haven't seen anywhere else. It might be my limited knowledge. And he says that all praises due to Allah who within us, he put together and combined the tools of expansion and gave us the means and tools of contraction. What does it mean here, contraction and expansion? Um, well, looking at the context, number one, and also looking at what others have explained and other scholars have uh, said in their commentaries, it's referring to the different muscles that contract and expand in our bodies. And we have to understand, if it wasn't for that, we would be immobilized completely. We wouldn't be able to move at all. This itself is a blessing that we really take for granted and just sometimes straight up forget about. The fact that I'm speaking right now. God knows how many muscles are working in my jaw, in my face, for me to be able to speak. Um, God knows how many muscles are working when we are chewing our food. They say there's like about maybe more than 40 muscles that are working for when we are smiling. 40 muscles in the face that are either contracting, expanding, for us to be able to do that. When we sit, when we run, when we jump, when we stand, when we walk, when we talk, all of these things, they require us to have muscles that are working constantly, contracting and expanding, so that we can move, or else we can't move. We will ha- we will sit idle. And it's not just that. The lungs are expanding and contracting. The hearts of the people, our hands, everything you think about, will have some form of contraction and expansion. If... There's motion and movement. And so it says here that Allah, uh, the Imam is thanking Allah for this purpose as well. And it says, Rakkaba fina, Rakkaba, and Tarkib means to bring together, to make something that is a combination of different things that is going to work like a clock. So that's how the body is. It's just so beautiful. Now, of course, the Imam doesn't get into all of the anatomy of the body, but these muscles that work. They have to have nerves running through all of them as well. And the nervous system, which is maybe one of the most complex systems that Allah has given us, this argument from design 
although it's not a, it's not a very philosophical argument um, per se, but all in all, the way we have been designed, even if someone argues that is not going to uh, prove God's existence philosophically, what it does prove, though, once you know there is a God, is that this God knows exactly what He's doing. Now, me personally, this alat al-bast and adawat al-qab, this contraction and expansion of uh, the the tools of expansion and contraction, I'm taking it as the physical side of things. Some have pointed out that it also has to do with the spiritual side of us as well, and there's contraction and expansion there as well. But personally, especially looking at the context that we're in right now, in this in these few lines that we've recited in the beginning. It seems to be looking more at the physical aspect. And that itself, I, in my opinion, is a, is a miracle of God. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing how the body works. And it just seems that those who are experts when it comes to the anatomy, those are who are physicians, those who know how the body works, they will have it easier for them to reach ultimate tawheed of Allah and understanding the greatness of Allah by understand because they have a better grasp and understanding of how great this body works. وَمَتَعَنَا بِأَرْوَاحِ الْحَيَاةِ Or some might read it, أَرْوَاحِ الْحَيَاةِ And all praise is due to him also for the fact that he allowed us to enjoy and gave us and bestowed upon us أَرْوَاحِ الْحَيَاةِ أَرْوَاحِ الْحَيَاةِ has been translated now, the English that I have in front of me says the spirits of life. Um, which... <laughs> Um, God knows what is meant by that in the English. But when you look at the Arabic, okay, arwah, of course, will usually be translated to uh, souls and spirits. Al-hayat means life. So, but what is meant here? Well, there are two opinions on this arwah. Some have said it is, arwah is the plural of ruh, which of course means spirit or soul. So arwah means souls and spirits. But as I said, there is a context here that we have, and it's usually speaking of, in this context, it's speaking of the physical aspect of things, it seems, at least in my very humble opinion. And so others have pointed out that arwah here in this particular context is not the plural of ruh, meaning spirit or soul, but arwah here is the plural of rawh. So there's a difference in the Arabic language between ruh and the rawh. Rawh is going to be speaking of, or is going to mean those things that make life, uh, that facilitate life and make it livable and pleasant and pleasurable. Okay, Those things of life, those aspects of life that allow us to just have a normal, pleasurable, pleasant life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed us to enjoy the good aspects of life that, that allow us to live. That's what uh, I personally think that the Imam is saying here. He blessed us with these things as well. Think about it. A lot of the things that we do in this life, a lot of the, the ways that we live in this life are going to be pleasurable ones, or at least pleasant ones, or at least ones that are not painful. So and, and at least that's the default and the, and the rule. So for example, Allah could have made eating and drinking not a pleasurable experience but a hard one a painful one he could have made i don't know looking in at far distances painful on the eyes let's say he could have made a lot of the things that we do he could have he could have made the fact that our heart pumps 
He could have done something so that we feel our heart pumping all the time. Think about it. When you're sitting there and the heart is pumping, you don't feel something beating in your chest unless you're anxious about something and so on. But the default is you don't feel your heart pumping. Do I feel my lungs like expanding to the point where when I'm breathing, to the point where there's pressure on my chest because my lungs are expanding? I don't feel it. Once again, if uh, it's a certain situation, that's different. If I'm exercising very hard, that's different. But all in all, when I'm sitting there, no, it's a, it's, I'm not feeling any of this. Most importantly, when, we're, when we've had a meal and our body is digesting that meal, we don't feel anything. Although, if you were to go inside the stomach, you would see that the acid that's there is a very strong acid. Now, for, for us, at least the human beings, the acid we have isn't anywhere close to some of the animals out there. But even the acid that we have is not burning the lining of our stomach. We're not feeling um, any of that. While if you were to go in the body, you would see that like there's a lot of twisting and turning. And the, when the body is digesting food, there's a lot going on there. It's like an earthquake in there. But we don't feel any of it at all. Allah bestowed upon us. He blessed us with arwah al-hayah. Meaning that He made life, He facilitated life for us in a pleasant way. In a way that's not painful. At least that's the rule. When I, when I'm... I have to get a haircut. I don't feel my hair getting cut. I don't, it's not painful when I'm clipping my nails. All of these things that we do, all of the things that happen as we live and as the body is living and is alive, all of these are either pleasant ones or at least ones that are not painful. So this is something that Allah is praiseworthy for and we need to thank Him for. He put within us those limbs and body parts that we need to get things done. Once again, the hand that Allah has given me is enough for me, and with the five fingers on it, is enough for me to get work done. The eyes He's given me, the ears, the nose, everything that we have, these are all tools that come together as a package and allow us to get work done. Allow us to break sweat when we're working and to bring a halal, some halal bread to the table. Okay, so he gave us, it's all from him. He could have made it harder on us. Yeah, someone might argue and say, well, it would have been better if we had wings too. It would, be, it would have been better if we had four arms instead of two. I understand, like, we could have been stronger beings than we are. Okay, but he's given us enough so that we can survive. And the less he gives us, by the way, brothers and sisters, when he gives us the bare minimum that is necessary and not more than that, he could have given us wings, yeah, but he didn't. But when he gives us the bare minimum of what we need to live our lives and survive, and life could have been easier than this even, but it's not on us, as a result of that, we are rewarded more for, for working hard in this life. We have to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he could have made us stronger physical beings than we actually are. He could have given us wings. He could have given us um, strength 10 times more than what we have. Look at the animal kingdom. Look at how strong some of these animals are. We are weak beings. We are weak animals, brothers and sisters. Yeah, if we look at the physical side of ourselves, we are from we are the we are mammals just like other mammals. But we are some of the weakest ones when it comes to the physical strength. Well, that some have explained that Allah has given us the bare minimum that makes it easy for us to live. But it could have been easier, but Allah didn't give us that. Why? He's given us less 
so that we can be rewarded more because we're working hard. So that itself is a blessing, number one, that he's given us what we need to survive, and number two, the fact that he gave us the bare minimum that we need to survive. Alhamdulillah, we have five fingers on our hands. That's enough. Yeah, someone might say we could have had ten fingers, it would have been better. First of all, we're not sure if it would have been better, but assuming that is the case, still, we still can survive with five fingers. And so Allah gives us five. He gives us the bare minimum, rewards us greatly for using this bare minimum to live a, a lives within the boundaries of Islam. And inshallah, when, we're, when the time comes, we leave this dunya. That's simple. What we needed to get work done, Allah gave us. He fed us and nourished us with means the, uh, the pure of his sustenance. The pure form and the purest forms of his sustenance. Now food will be the, one of the best examples. So the food that he has given us is the pure food. Now here when it says he gave us of the pure food of his, the pure form of his sustenance, someone might misunderstand and say, oh, so there's an impure form of sustenance of God as well, but he chose the pure form for us. Not necessarily. This is uh, something that we have in Arabic, um, that when you have the possessive sometimes, it, um, it will imply that that possessive is actually an adjective. In Arabic they say, it's idhafatul mausuf ila sifatihi. So here when it says, he gave them of uh, the pure of the rizq, doesn't mean that there's an impure version of rizq of Allah as well. No, all of the rizq of Allah is pure. Okay, so yes, it's possessive, but it's actually an adjective here that we have. And the Quran does mention this as well. That, O people, consume and use and benefit from the pure of what Allah has given you, the pure of Allah, of the sustenance that Allah has provided for you. Not that God's sustenance is pure and impure, but you choose the pure form of it. No, if it's impure, it's not even sustenance by Allah. If it's impure, it's just something that's out there that we are choosing as sustenance for ourselves. Or else it's not divine, it's not It's not coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't call it rizqullah. It's not a rizq that is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any rizq that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be pure. And so we should not. We should be careful not to misunderstand this uh, term here that says, the pure of that which we have given them as sustenance, meaning that there is also an impure form, but you have to choose the pure form of Allah's rizq. No, as I said, Allah's rizq is going to always be pure. These are very similar. They've said that He made us um, and uh, He made us sufficient and needless of others through His grace and mercy towards us. Agnana comes from ghani and ghina, which means needlessness, which means to be wealthy and rich sometimes even. We have that dua, Allahumma aghnini bihalalika an haramik. Oh Allah, make me needless through your halal from your haram. In other words, through your halal that you give me, make me needless of going ever after haram. This is a dua that they say that we should do, um, especially after salat. Allahumma aghnini bihalalika an haramik wabita'atika an ma'asiyatik wabifadlika amman siwak that oh Allah make me needless of your haram through your halal 
make me needless of your disobedience through your obedience and Allah make me needless through your grace and mercy from from anyone other than yourself make me needless of everyone except for you that's agnana bifadlihi and then it says agnana bimannihi they've said that it's a similar meaning here the difference between agnana with ghayn and agnana with qaf they've said is agnana has to do with those things that we need right now um, for our survival versus aqnana is those things that we need in the future and we save up and uh, put aside for the for future use so allah has made us needless in every aspect thumma amarna liyakhtabira ta'atana wa nahana liyabtaliya shukrana all right so all of this allah has done and all praises due to him for that we're great alhamdulillah thank you allah let's get on with our lives now khadaf is we have nothing to do with anything anymore. No, 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 no. Thumma. There's expectations though. Thumma. <laughs> so then after all of this is done, Amarana liyakhtabira ta'atana. Allah didn't uh, do all of this and then just let us go. No. He did all of this. Then, ensuing all of that, He commanded us certain things. He ordered us to do certain things. To examine and put to the test our obedience towards Him. Yes, do you think that He did all of these things just to have done them? No. And the Quran also points out that this is not the case. He didn't just create us out of, in vain and for no purpose. Surah Al Qiyamah, verse 36, it says, uh, Does mankind believe that and think that? They're going to be abandoned to futility. Allah's just going to abandon them. And uh, He doesn't expect anything from them. He's just going to leave them to themselves. No, no, no. He has expectations. Or Surah Mu'minun 115 says, that, Did you think, O oh people, that we created you in vain and without a purpose and that you're not going to return to us? In other words, that's the purpose of your creation, to return to us. Okay, so these verses are saying that, look, no, there's an expectation here as well. Not, but we have to, of course, we have to look at this expectation in the right way. We shouldn't look at it in the wrong way. So the wrong way would be that when someone does something for somebody, usually they have an expectation. Usually they want to be compensated. Usually they'll want someone, for that person to do something in return to make it up to that person who's given them something and so on. But we have to understand that when Allah has an expectation, it's nowhere close to these, these kinds of expectations that we usually have when we do something for somebody. So his expectation is that I've given you these things so that they can be, they can be a means of you securing something even more for yourself, not for me. Allah is all-sufficient. He is needless of, needless of everything. And so he doesn't need our ta'ah and obedience he doesn't need it so the expectation he has is not something that's going to return to him the expectation he has is that we use that which we are praising him for and thanking him for use that to secure even greater good things for ourselves that's why we're here so when it says he wanted to put to the test and examine 
you know, what we're doing and uh, if we're obedient towards him or not, it's all for ourselves. It's not for him. And so here, if this is the case, then all this idea of, you know, uh, I need to figure out exactly why he has asked me to do everything that he's asked me to do. Why Salat al-Fajr two rak'ah? Why Salat al-Maghrib three rak'ah? Why do I have to do this? Why is that haram? Look, it says liyakhtabira. He's putting it to the test. When you're put, when you're putting someone to the test, the whole the whole test is that you're not going to know exactly why they're asking you for what they're asking you for, but they want to see if you're going to listen or not. If we knew the reason for everything that he tells us to do, then it's not even it's not even going to be something very great the fact that we are obedient to him because we know the reason why we're supposed to understand and acknowledge that he's the lord he wants the best for us and he knows what is best for us and now he's telling us something to do and i'm going to do it even though i don't know why exactly why he told me i will know that there's a good reason behind it for sure but it's not going to be a deal breaker for me if i don't know why he told me what to do this is a this is a very a very important thing to keep in mind. Shaitan, he failed this test. Shaitan wanted to figure out, okay, why are you, why are you telling me to do sajda to Adam? Oh Allah. Because if it's if you're going to speak logically here, it doesn't make sense for me to do sajda to him because I was created from fire, he's created from clay. Fire is superior to clay. Is that not the case? shukrana. So he commanded us certain things to test our obedience towards him. And he told us to refrain from things. And he did nahi of things. So that what happens? Liabtaliya shukrana. He's given us so many things, okay? And so there are some things out there that he has not given us and he has told us to stay away from. Am I going to take heed? Am I going to stay away from those things so that I can show as a result that I am grateful, oh Allah, for what you've given me and that suffices me. I don't need everything out there. Some people think that just because something exists, they have to experience it. No, it's not for us. So, especially if it's haram. And so, if Allah is saying stay away from it, me, by staying away from that thing, I am practically showing my gratefulness and thankfulness to Allah for what He has given me. Oh Allah, you gave me this, you gave me that. You gave me this food, this house, this car, these shoes, this outfit, this much money. The rest belongs to others. Alright, that's not mine. You've told me to stay away from others' uh, belongings and property. I will stay away from it. I'm not going to overreach and uh, encroach on other people's possessions and properties and because that's Allah doesn't want me to. And so I'm going to show Allah that what He's given me, Alhamdulillah, thank you, O Allah. To practically show that I'm thankful, yes, I'm going to stay away from that which He's told me to stay away from. You gave me a wife. You gave me uh, a husband. You gave me kids. You gave me all these things. All right. If others are unlawful to me, then they're unlawful to me. You gave me what you gave me. And so thank, I'm, thank, I'm thankful to you for that. I'll stay away from that which is none of my business. So he wanted to also test our thankfulness, practical thankfulness. So what stands out here is that our practical taking heed of him and telling us to refrain from certain things, that is our gratefulness to him. It's not just saying, Alhamdulillah, shukran lillah, thank you, O Allah. No, (laughs) you refraining from and me refraining from that which he's told us to refrain from, 
is thankfulness. He's putting our thankfulness to the test practically. So he commands us to do certain things, to see how obedient we are. He tells us to stay away from and refrain from certain things, how by, by show, to show how grateful we are for what he has given us at least. So this idea of thankfulness being something practical, not just something verbalized, is showing itself here in this part of the dua as well. Okay, so he gave us all these things that we praised him for. Only to come to this, شكرنا, So that this, this expectation is there. Everything he gave us is coming with this expectation. This expectation is to our own benefit, not to his benefit. He just wants us to use that which is temporary to secure that which is eternal and infinite. So what do we do though? Do we actually take heed? Do we pass those tests of Allah or not? The Imam continues, he says, فَخَالَفْنَا عَن طَرِيقِ أَمْرِهِ But, despite all of this, he did his part, Allah did his part. Do we do our part? Usually we don't do our part. Inshallah for our next session, the Imam is going to now start speaking about what we've done <laughs> and how Allah has dealt with us, even though we're not grateful, how he has dealt with us. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.